Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks at Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey everyone, Tom Salemi of Device Talks here. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. It's great to have you here. We've got a special pre-Labor Day episode for you. I got to speak with Jeff Martha, the chairman and CEO of Medtronic. We talked after the company's Q2 results call last week. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about future growth. We'll talk about uh, the quarter. We'll talk about the impact of the pandemic and what Medtronic is doing to encourage vaccinations in the U.S. And finally, we talked about uh, the Intersect ENT acquisition and about a new measure that uh, Medtronic has implemented to uh, to encourage product quality. So let's get into this conversation with Jeff Martha, the CEO of Medtronic. And before we get into this conversation with Jeff Martha, I'd like to bring in David Box, David's Global Managing Director of Digital Healthcare and MedTech at Star Global. David, tell us about Star Global. Certainly, Tom. We're a 13-year-old product development company with over 800 employees across 11 locations globally. We focus on supporting our clients along the product development journey from endgame to market ready. We start by understanding where our customers uh, envision their product to be and develop a plan together with them in the co-creation process on how to get them there, as well as support them in the market once we launch the product. We offer a variety of different solutions, ranging from regulatory strategy and consulting to product strategy, uh, research and testing, uh, visual design, interaction design, as well as industrial design, and of course, software engineering. We can really engage with our customers as early as as needed in the process or support them midstream, whichever suits their needs. We'll hear more from David Box a little later in the podcast. If you'd like to find out more information about Star Global, go to star.global. Jeff Martha, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Great to be here again. So sat through another uh, very interesting uh, analyst call. Lots of good news. Uh, I wanted to uh, let I'll let people. We, you can build. You can sort of work some of the performance into your answers if you'd like. But you did see growth in several areas, and uh, you identified a few areas where you've seen some declines. But one of the things that I think we have to talk about again is is COVID. Uh, you mentioned that at the end of July and. Then in a follow-up, you indicated that in August as well, you are seeing a slowdown um, in some procedures, elective procedures, procedures that require uh, stay in an ICU, and you're seeing it in areas where there's a low vaccination rate. I'm curious, how have you... How are you collecting this information? What kind of information are you collecting about COVID? And how are you using that? Are you actively using that into building your forecasting? Is this what we have to sort of take into account when reporting financial results or financial projections in the future? Sure. Yeah, we are we are using it to, to build our financial results. And what we're doing is we're comparing this data to, to past waves as well. I mean, mm-hmm. so that, that's another thing. And, and, and then adding the new information to it, right? What's new this wave versus the last wave 
uh, is the vaccine is the big new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that's making a huge difference. You know, hospitals continue to get better at treating COVID patients more efficiently. Patient sentiment continues to evolve. And I'd say patient sentiment is 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 very strong right now, meaning that are they hesitant to go into the hospital uh, to get treated? And I think that is a low, that's not a, that's not a big issue. Uh, it was a big issue a year ago, no vaccine, lots of unknowns. Doctors were a little hesitant to advise patients to come in. Uh, that has turned, right? Uh, you know, doctors are saying, look, it's safe to come in. Mm-hmm. Patients have higher confidence because of the vaccine or the ones that aren't vaccinated just aren't as afraid of COVID. So patient sentiment's different. Vaccines are different. Hospital capabilities are different. Um, and, and, and we apply those. We look back over the past, like I said before, and we get the data, your original question, we get it from various sources. I mean, our, our own, you know, we, we, we have uh, in some of our therapies, we get more specifics than others. But, mm-hmm. you know, in some cases, like in our cardiac rhythm business, which is one of our bigger businesses, uh, you know, we have a pretty good line of sight to uh, all the cases. And so, in other businesses, we have good line of sight to cases. Uh, and in the case of cardiac rhythm, it's not just us, but the other players in the market all submit their data to an accounting firm who then sends it back to us in a de-identified way so we can see uh, what's going on. And so there we get pretty good view viewpoint. And so we look on it every week. And you spoke with some confidence that, that you hope things will, will improve in September. Right. Uh, are you just What are you basing that confidence on? We're basing it on, again, what we've learned, right? So we yeah. see that, you know, uh, and we, and, and the disease curves, we, we look at various different third parties, virus curves rather. And what we're seeing is that what we're anticipating and what we're being we're told from the uh, from the different epidemiologists is that in the United States, okay, uh, it's different by region, but in the United States, and, and there's some variability in the United States, but it, the, the, the COVID cases, right, the, will, will peak, you know, um, you know, late August, early September. Thus, the hospitalizations will lag that by two weeks or so. And so that they should peak, call it mid-September, maybe the end of September. And so thus, uh, the, our quarter ends at the end of October. You know, as we um, end the quarter, we should be in, within our, 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 our fiscal year, our fiscal calendar or two, we should see it bouncing back in October. That's interesting news. And, and you identified, again, the, the bigger slowdowns are in areas where there's low vaccination uh, 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 results or people are, are fewer people getting vaccinated. Right. So the reluctance of to get vaccinated is, 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 as we know, slowing healthcare, impeding the access to healthcare. Now it's impacting medtech businesses, yours, and I'm sure others. Right. Has you, has Medtronic as a company, are you taking any policies to encourage or even require vaccinations of your own employees, particularly since the FDA approval in Monday? Has there been any sort of discussions at all internally that you're, you're able to share? Yeah, we talk about it quite a bit. And, and even before the uh, FDA approval yesterday, we took the step uh, like two weeks ago to strengthen our position on this. And where we are right now is we're requiring, um, you know, to enter our offices, you either have to be vaccinated and provide proof of that vaccination, right? So, okay. Uh, uh, we're tracking that. And if you don't provide proof of vaccination, we're just going to assume that you're not vaccinated. And then to enter our offices, you have to provide a, and, and we, we provide testing on premises, uh, a negative COVID test. And, and that's where we are. Uh, that's where we are today. But it is a, you know, it is a, a tough issue to, to navigate. As you know, there's different opinions on this, but uh, that's where we are right now. We continue to monitor the situation to determine if we have to take even a, even a more aggressive stance on this. So let's go back to talking business, put COVID aside. Uh, you spent some time uh, talking a little bit about the Intersect ENT acquisition. Very, very cool news. Could you provide a little color into how this deal t- 
came together and didn't follow any different any different a process uh, than past acquisitions due to the reorganization? How was it sort of identified and, and managed internally? Let's take a break from this conversation with Jeff Martha to bring back David Box of Star Global. David, how does Star Global work with medtech companies? So, Tom, we help medical device manufacturers in a, in a variety of different ways. We can start very early on upstream in the process from a regulatory consulting perspective, help our, our customers understand the, the hurdles and the challenges that they have from a regulatory perspective and, and help them define the product from a regulatory perspective in order to have uh, the, the maximum amount of flexibility with their, their product and service that they're going to need further downstream in the process and further into the, the product uh, development lifecycle. We go from there into product research and design, where we're working with our customers to research any given problem state, do any necessary testing with, with users, but then also take that into interaction and visual design, as well as industrial design, if there's a, a hardware component that's associated with it. And from there, we can work with our customers to do any prerequisite software development that's required in order to bring the product to life. We're, we're very um, well-versed and uh, experienced with developing cloud architectures, with developing applications, as well as on the, on the data science front, and naturally in QA, both as a service as well as embedded in the various different, uh, different projects. Naturally, we're, we're ISO 1345 and 27001 compliant. And we develop uh, in accordance with IEC 6366 and 62304, which is, of course, very important to, to our, our customers in order to uh, be compliant with their certifications and have the necessary documentation. We uh, also have a tremendous amount of experience developing uh, HIPAA compliant GDPR and, and CPRA uh, compliant software as well. We also have a, a quality management platform um, for our customers that they can leverage the platform to manage the, the, the quality uh, management system to use either their own uh, know-how sets or know-how sets that we can provide them for 1345-27001 and a variety of other, um, of other uh, regulations. David, you've been watching this industry for, for a long time. What are some interesting trends and observations that you can share with our listeners? We're very bullish on this industry. Uh, if you look at, at the, the global uh, medtech industry today, it's approaching, if not already surpassed, $500 billion in revenue and is projected to grow to, to just under $800 billion by 2030. That's a compounded annual growth rate of about 5.2%. Um, at Star, we've recognized this. And, and as we're you know, looking to grow as an organization ourselves um, with some very aggressive uh, targets for 2030, we've naturally um, taken on both a, a, an organic and an inorganic approach to, to our growth, as evidenced by our, our recent acquisition of uh, pro for people in Europe, which has given us uh, some, some additional uh, strength on the regulatory uh, consulting side and med tech uh, product developments. And so we're taking a, a very um, aggressive uh, approach to the industry in order really to support kind of some of the trends that we're seeing around integrating intelligence into offerings, uh, around delivering services beyond the device. All right, so we're seeing a lot of a lot of hardware now. Uh, seeing the benefit of software services that can be um, added to to the devices, as well as enabling um, technologies 
leveraging uh, big data in order to drive some clinical decision support or other insights that um, a lot of these devices are uh, producing. And and I really think that over the next 10 years, companies are going to need to kind of reconfigure uh, their organizations and, and shift to becoming more of a solutions provider um, than just a, a hardware provider today. All right. Well, thank you, David Box, for joining us. And thank you to Star Global for sponsoring this episode of Medtronic Talks. Now let's get back to our conversation with Jeff Martha. Could you provide a little color into how this deal came together and didn't follow any different, any different a process uh, than past acquisitions due to the reorganization? How was it sort of identified and, and managed internally? You know, I don't know that it followed any, any different path because uh, of the reorg. This is a company, I mean, we're a, a, the market leader in ENT, and we've been the market leader by but by a wide margin for, for years and years. Then it doesn't, you know, the ENT business doesn't get as much publicity, if you will, as many of our other businesses, but it's been, you know, it's been a very, uh, it's been a really strong performer for us, solid growth, consistent growth, very high profitability. And then from a clinical perspective, you know, the efficacy is very strong and the, and the, the value proposition, the patients and the physicians is strong. And so, you know, we wanted to add to the strength and we've been looking at uh, Intersect ENT since before it went public. We've had investments in the company way back then and, and, and been in constant, I'd say, you know, I'd say consistent dialogue with them over the course of the last six or seven years. Okay. Uh, and and it just it just came together. It just it was just the right time. They've got good momentum. Uh, Intersect ENT does uh, with their with their with their products in the marketplace. And um, you know we thought it was a good time uh, to 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 make this happen. So we were able to figure it out here over the last couple of weeks. And how long will it take for that deal to to close? I understand it might be like might not close until next year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's you know, and and the reason for that is look, you've got a new administration. Um, you know, with, with new, um, you know, folks, uh, you know, driving um, um, uh, antitrust policy here. And okay. so what we're hearing um, is that, that, that the, the, the new administrative antitrust uh, viewpoint may elongate the process here. Now, personally, we don't really see it as a, an antitrust issue, but, but uh, we're being, um, you know, prudent in guiding that uh, longer period of time based on what we're hearing from, uh, from the subject matter experts in this area. Wow, you'll be MedTech's Facebook, huh? They're gonna uh, they're gonna keep you from acquiring innovative uh, startups. I, I, I just I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. You know, it's part of the MedTech model, and yeah. and uh, it's it, it, a lot of these startups, um, you know, begin with the plan of not all of them want to go public. Some of them, you know, want to get to a certain point and would rather. Uh, be purchased by a, a, one of the bigger med tech companies. Absolutely. So, and you had mentioned in the call that uh, you're, you've got other opportunities across the portfolio, sort of similar to this one, or maybe in the same, fitting a similar profile. Uh, but you're, you stress that you're not buying for growth. You're going to grow what you buy. Can you kind of expand on, on that comment a bit? Sure. I mean, look, the, as you know, um, the market's hot right now. There's a lot of money out there and these startups in med tech are highly valued. And um, so for us, we need to make sure that we can add significant value to, to the arc of that therapy or that product. And so we really try to get these um, uh, therapies or products earlier in their, in their life cycle. Um, there's where, where they're a sweet spot where it's been de-risked enough, but there's still, you know, 
opportunities for us to add value. And that could be technically, clinically, like design of an, an execution of a clinical trial. Maybe mm-hmm. they've done some feasibility. We do the pivotal trial. Another big one is globalization, um, where we globalize products. Or like if you look in the spine area where we've purchased a number of companies over the year, we've built this ecosystem mm-hmm. and we're adding products to the ecosystem, whether it be the Mazur robot or more recently, we bought an AI company um, that's uh, it's got their principal operations in uh, Lyon, France and in New York City. Um, and, and it's AI uh, for, for spine uh, procedural planning. And so I, was, I just visited their, their office in um in New York city here like two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was just a lot of fun to see what we're doing in the world of AI. Although I got to admit, Tom, I felt old. I mean, everybody, <laughs> was so uh, uh, you know, it was one of those moments I'm looking around the room. I'm like, uh, you know, I, f- I felt like I was talking to my daughter who just graduated college. <laughs> uh, it was a different feel, but, but boy, uh, what they're doing is really special. And I think it's going to transform what we're doing in spine for sure. Uh, I know the feeling. I, I used to be much younger than the executives I interviewed. That's not the case anymore. Uh, let's move into. Uh, You're definitely older than me. <laughs> no comment, but I think <laughs> I think I got a couple of years on you. Uh, let, let's move into. You mentioned neuroscience. That was one of the areas that uh, that had really great growth. Uh, the spine business within neuroscience. Uh, I should afford you an opportunity to talk a little bit about what what were some of the highlights uh, in the quarter for the businesses. You pointed out, uh, well, for, for one that was a highlight, I have to go come back to micro, you know, our, our, it's been, it's been so strong and, and uh, this is our leadless pacemaker and it's continuing to grow, expand the market, take share. And, and I really think applying micro to more and more segments of the pacing market uh, will continue. And then, and then another couple of highlights of the quarter would be milestones that we hit. So um, filing for ECI or EVICD approval, but the biggest one has to come in our robot. I mean, we've been talking about this robot for a decade now. I mean, longer yep. than I've been around. And um, obviously you've got this big market out there with intuitive by themselves. And, and we're now the next player in, and we just did our first surgeries in, in Chile and Panama. And uh, we you know, are on track to be on the market and get our CE mark sometime in the fall. And so this is really an exciting time. And, and a highlight for me personally, and I posted it on LinkedIn, we were able to go to one of our operational centers for the robot in, in Connecticut. It's in, in New Haven, Connecticut. Two weeks ago, we had the entire executive committee there, our leadership team, and, and, and how far they've come. You know, I've got to really uh, use the robots in virtual settings. And don't mm-hmm. worry, I didn't operate on anybody, but, but, <laughs> but we have virtual operations. So it's like you can train, we have trainer versions of this robot. And I actually, I actually, you can, you know, I trained how to do a uh, prostatectomy. I mean, it was, it was amazing and it was very realistic. Um, so the robot's a big one for us. That's probably the biggest, you know, uh, you know, milestone we hit uh, this quarter highlight, I would say, but then we had just strong underlying performance uh, across all of our businesses with the, with the exception of diabetes. That's the one, you know, all of our big businesses, uh, cardiac rhythm, mm-hmm. our big three cardiac rhythm, spine, and, and the enabling technology around that. And um, our surgical innovations businesses had a, a monster quarter uh, that, that had to, that's another highlight surgical innovations. They compete against J&J's at the con business. Uh, those three businesses all held or gained share uh, our surgical innovations business gained a lot of share. And then, you know, the rest of the portfolio did very well as well. Um, you know, diabetes, we're still waiting on uh, some product approvals into the U.S., right? We've got our new pump system on the market in Europe, uh, and it's doing great, right? It's the, fa- the 
the performance is strong, the best time and range and of any diabetes pump, the, the, the consumer feedback is strong. We just need to get that in the U.S. And as Sean pointed out on the call, Sean Salmon, you know, I think has been on your show here. Yep. He, you know, we're the FDA that handles that approval has been pretty busy with COVID and it's hard to handicap, but uh, when they'll, you know, approve it, but, you know, we're an active dialogue with them on these approvals with our pump and uh, new sensor and various other things. So we're, we're excited about what's to come, but in the meantime, the, the, the financial performance of the business is well below the market. I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, about Hugo in uh, future episodes as well, but uh, I am curious, you mentioned, you know, intuitive is, is the uh, incumbent. How do you approach building this business differently than perhaps some other med tech business where you're just asking someone to buy this defibrillator instead of that defibrillator. This is people have a legacy system in place. They have a knowledge of a system. Maybe you're not looking for converts. Maybe you're looking for first-time adopters of robotics, maybe a mix of both. How, how do you look at, at building that market? And I know you're not there yet, but I'm sure you're talking about it. Yeah, we're definitely talking about it. I have plans. And I think, look, it's more there's more about market expansion than anything. Uh, we're definitely looking for converts, but we're really trying to expand the market. Uh, one, and then remove the barriers. One barrier is um, lower cost per procedure. And, and the way we've designed our product and the way our, you know, Hugo, and the way it, 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 it works, um, it syncs with our existing uh, surgical tools that the surgeons already know how to use and already have. Um, you know, we, we anticipate, uh, we, we know it'll be a lower cost per procedure. doesn't mean we're selling the robot cheaper. What it means is, is that it, it, because of the uh, backward compatibility into, uh, and the modularity of our robot. So mm -hmm. it, uh, it, it, it provides a more efficient, uh, cost-effective way uh, for, 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 for hospitals to, to do robotic surgery. And another barrier that will lower, we have a bigger footprint outside the U.S., um, and so we can globalize this. We have surgeon training facilities all around the world, and uh, we're greater penetrated than, than I think the competition there. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, we do think we have some differentiated features and there will be uh, some converts as well. And there's just a lot of, you know, when you have a, a, a kind of monopoly situation for as long as uh, Intuitive has had, you, you know, there's definitely built up, you know, some pent up demand for a, a, an alternative. And we're definitely feeling that. That's great. Two more questions. Uh, one, uh, rental innovation. Uh, I know that uh, you're still looking at that study uh, and to talk a bit about the data you're hoping to pull out of that. But also, Sean had mentioned on the call that I think you got uh, some some positive or not you specifically, but but the uh, the hypertension physician group in Europe had right. recommended reimbursement for or to include this as a reimbursed procedure. So yeah, they, yeah, they, they recommend it. So it's already technically, to be specific, reimbursed in Europe. However, mm -hmm. it, it's not in it's not recommended outside of, of a clinical trial setting. OK, and now the, the society, uh, the hypertensive society in Europe has said, look, we do recommend it to be part of your hypertension care pathway. So that's a big step um, in, in, in Europe. And then in the U.S., you know, we have to, um, you know, there's work with the CMS to get, you know, Medicare uh, and, and we've got this EMSIT, um, uh, uh, you know, opportunity here where that, you know, because it's a breakthrough device. EMSIT is a, a legislation that would automatically give us, you know, a number of years of reimbursement. That's been paused under the Biden administration. So we're hoping that gets cleared up in December 
and we get the approval there. But then otherwise we're going one, you know, payer at a time and sharing with them the, you know, the health economics, you know, here's mm-hmm. the clinical outcomes, here's the health economics. And it's beyond the data that we're hoping for in the fall. We've had, you know, because we've had prior trials, we have registries out there. We've built up a pretty big, uh, you know, data, you know, set of data here that just shows that one, it's unequivocally safe and that we're, we're in it, over time, we're showing the efficacy of this. And and you asked about the data. So we are hoping the, the the last of our latest, you know, pivotal trial here is what we're calling the on-med trial. We had a a, a trial for, for patients where medicine, you know, they were off their meds and and that had gone through their system. And that was a simpler environment. And now on-med, which is probably more like what we're going to see in the real world, where some patients are still on their medication and get this, this, this therapy uh, and the hopes that, you know, the idea is that it would lower your blood pressure and you don't have to take as much and mm-hmm. as much medication. And, and so, yeah, we are anticipating to get those results back. And it's a, you know, it's, you know, I won't get into the ins and outs of the metrics now, cause there's, there's different ways to measure it ambulatory versus office visits, but needless to say, it's a meaningful, meaningful decline is what we're anticipating in, um, in your, in your blood pressure, which results in, you know, 28, 29, 30% less strokes and, and things like that. The, 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 the knockoff Im- impact is, is dramatic. And so we believe this is going to be a $3 billion market conservatively by the end of the decade. And you're hoping to have results to present at TCT in November. You said. That's the hope. That's our yep. next interim yep. look. And if that, if we don't get it to statistical significance, um, then it goes on for a couple more months until, you know, until we get there, this Bayesian trial design, um, you know, two reasons I won't get into too much detail there. One, we don't have time. And two, I really couldn't explain it fully, but uh, <laughs> a lot I could, of math. I, I couldn't understand it if you could. So final question, uh, you made a point of us, about us uh, talking about quality on the call uh, and you're, you're assigning new financial metrics to quality Absolutely. and you brought it up in the context of the decision to stop selling HVADs. Can you just quickly, I know we don't have much time, Walk me through what's going on behind the scenes at Medtronic uh, following that decision and, and what, what lessons were learned and anything else you can share. Okay, look, patient safety and our product quality are, are the number one thing here. There's nothing you know, more important at Medtronic. And you know, the, the decision to pull HVAD off the market, as, as we've talked about in the past, new data came out that, that demonstrated that uh, the competitive alternative had a you know, meaningful um, less occurrence of um, of these complications and these are serious complications. And so, you know, we don't typically see that between, you know, competitive devices where the complication rates are different like that. And so, um, you know, we decided to, and we're the serious complications. And so that's why, you know, tied to our mission, we decided to pull it from the market. And so I'm proud of that decision and how quickly, you know, how we acted on there, but, but look, the problem that we did have some quality issues there uh, as well, the product performance. And we've had others in a few other businesses where we've had to do some class one recalls. And look, I, I think it's important to, um, you know, remind the organization that this is number one for us. And so we're putting, um, you know, there's a, there's a transformational pl- a plan in place to really, um, you know, you know, reemphasize double down on this product uh, quality. And, and we're including um, more um, of our bonus tied to it mm-hmm. uh, to accentuate the point. Um, you know, I'm not sure, an extra bonus is going to, you know, drive it because our mission is much stronger than, than our, you know, kind of our pay, but it does send a message. Um, and I just want to make sure that everybody knows that this is number one. Uh, and and uh, we got a big company here. And so a plan like this will, I think, help reach uh, every, every one of the 100,000 Medtronic employees around the world.
Excellent. All right. I know you need to go. You got a busy day. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Tom. Always good to see you. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Great to have you here. Could you do us a few favors? Number one, could you subscribe to this podcast? You can subscribe or follow on whatever podcast app you're listening to the podcast on. Of course, you can also find these podcasts at our devicetalks.com website. Device Talks is a producer of meetings and content centered around the metal device industry. Please also give us a ranking on those podcast apps. You can give us stars. You can give us written comments. All of that helps others find Medtronic stories. So uh, we're trying our best to get the word out. So please do consider taking a few minutes to give us a ranking and a review. Finally, you can help out a lot by sharing this podcast on your social media channels can do it on LinkedIn or Twitter. And if you do, please do uh, connect me as well. I am on Twitter at MedTechTom. I am on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi. Salemi is spelled S-A-L-E-M-I. All right. Well, once again, that's a wrap. We'll have a, a bunch of great episodes of the Metronic Talks podcast coming up. Hope you all have a happy Labor Day and look forward to telling you future stories soon.